today's scripture reading is Mark 4, 1 through 9, 21 through 34. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He was teaching them many things in parables, and his teaching said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, and as he sowed, some seed fell along a path, and the birds and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it immediately sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. Within the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sometimes our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus is just too small. We look to Jesus for some personal help or comfort or spiritual self-improvement, but we miss the fact that Jesus often taught that knowing and following him entailed something far bigger. Following Jesus means being swept up into the comprehensive healing of the wounds of the entire world, being swept up into Jesus' cosmic promise to make all things new, beginning with you. In other words, following Jesus means nothing less than participating in what Jesus himself called 
the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. This is the language that Jesus often used in the beginning of his ministry even, as recorded in Mark 1, telling us what it was that he came for. Jesus announced the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. We see that phrase used again and again, even here in this chapter, verse 11 and verse 26 and verse 30. It's the main theme of our reading today from Mark chapter 4. And of course, when Jesus used the language of the kingdom, he wasn't talking about a political kingdom. He wasn't identifying his kingdom with any one nation state. Jesus once declared, my kingdom is not of this world. That's why some have said a better translation of the phrase might actually be the kingship of God because it refers not to a place, but to Christ's saving power, his rule, his reign, the exercise of his authority to heal all things. You see, the kingdom of God is what life is like when Jesus is finally recognized as king flourishing in love, righteousness, peace, and life. The kingdom of God is the perfection of heaven breaking into the imperfect world, the broken world in which we now live. The kingdom of God will be fully established one future day, but that same kingdom is indeed breaking into the present. And that's why Jesus assured his disciples, the kingdom of God is already in your midst. And he taught them to pray, taught us to pray, your kingdom come, not just one day, but today, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Jesus was looking at the world around him, uh, full of death and decay and sin, surrounded by the ravages of evil, and he was reassuring his people in the words of Sam Cooke. It's been a long, a long time coming, but I know a change going to come. But when and how? You see, because in our day, but especially in that day, you mentioned the kingdom of God and immediately people heard political revolution and started getting ready for armed combat against the Roman Empire. People heard kingdom of God and they were assuming overnight change. So, Jesus again and again had to explain how his kingdom is different from the kingdoms of the world, and how the coming of his kingdom would be different in character from our most natural assumptions about how this world and how our lives might change. In other words, Jesus, how exactly is change going to come? Jesus taught us through parables. Uh, These are simply short fictional folk stories with a deeper spiritual meaning. It was the favorite way that Jesus taught about his kingdom. In today's passage, we have three parables that we're looking at, all of which gave little glimpses into the nature and character of the kingdom of God. Let's look at them briefly. The first parable we find in verse 3 to 9. 
It's a parable about a, a sower, a farmer who goes out to scatter some seed. Uh, most of the seed that went out in the field was unsuccessful, did not actually take root and grow. Only one did. In all the cases, we're told the seed is the same. Some landed on bad soil, however, hard soil, rocky soil, thorny soil, and died. In each case, the difference in the outcome isn't the seed, it isn't the weather, it isn't the sower, it's the soil. The condition of our hearts, Jesus explains. The good soil, in verse 20, is the heart, the, the inward condition of those who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. See, because the message of the kingdom is a message that calls us to surrender ourselves to a king, to lay down our own scepters and to let Jesus reign, to die to ourselves, to become servants, to love our enemies, to choose meekness, to forgive, to renounce self-reliance, to find eternal life. And this message is met again and again with all kinds of obstruction and resistance. Jesus is telling us whether or not the kingdom takes root and bears fruit depends on how it's received deep in our hearts. The kingdom and its change begins deep within. And then we find this second parable. We find it in verses 26 through 29. Another man scattering seeds on the ground. A similar story Jesus is telling here. But this time, Jesus' emphasis is different. Here he's talking about a seed that almost seems to grow on its own. Jesus explains farming to a people who are very familiar with farming. A farmer who scattered seed on the ground, verse 26. It's a seed that grows, it sprouts, verse 27. It produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel of, in the head, verse 28. And finally, it becomes ripe. But notice how Jesus paints this picture. He emphasizes that the seed grows by its own power. The farmer here is almost irrelevant. Night and day, we're told in verse 27, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. It, it's not the farmer's sleepless labor that makes the, the seed grow. It's not the farmer's expert knowledge in the botanical science of seed germination. In the end, he enjoys the harvest, but the seed itself has a self-generating power to grow. See, the kingdom of God doesn't grow by human effort. God makes it grow apart from human agency entirely. Then Jesus gives us a third parable in verse 30 to 32. Yet another story about a seed. This time it's not any old seed that's sown into the ground, but a mustard seed, what Jesus calls in verse 31, the smallest, the tiniest of all seeds on earth. It's tiny. A small bird could swallow it and still be hungry. It's nearly invisible, can't even see it. You could drop it in the ground and lose it forever. It's vulnerable, you could crush it with your fingers. In fact, you might even be led to think that this tiny mustard seed would grow at best into a small, fragile plant. You know, a cute little thing that you might put on your windowsill. But no, 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 Jesus tells us the mustard seed grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. He tells the crowd in verse 32, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. 
far beyond what you might expect. The small becomes big. The unimpressive becomes grandiose. The vulnerable proves to be strong. The kingdom of God appears small and fragile at first, but expands with stunning grandiosity. When it first breaks into this world, the kingdom is like this unimpressive, fragile seed at first, but then it changes, it grows, it transforms this world, our lives, our relationships, relentlessly with itself sustaining power, although gradually. And eventually, despite these forgettable beginnings, the kingdom of God emerges in our fallen world, strong and life-giving, like a tree that provides shade and shelter. And of course, as Jesus is giving this teaching, he's also showing us how he himself broke into this world with power and the presence of God. See, the eternal and infinite Son of God made himself small, like a a human seed. He took on flesh, born in, well, neonatal vulnerability. He, He grew up in obscurity. He ministered quite quietly. I mean, could it be that this mustard seed could become a tree? He then gathered a team of 12 nobodies. They taught beautifully, he lived beautifully, but then died ugly, executed on a Roman cross with cruelty, invisibly suffering God's judgment for our sins. His death was for our life and salvation, and stunningly, that's how God sets us free. Then after dying, after three days, Christ rose from the grave and the church was born. And even despite persecution and setbacks and opposition, the presence of God among his people grew and grew and grew, taking the life of God all across the world and in the most unlikely places, steadily, relentlessly. You know, because the seed, Jesus told us, sprouts and grows, whether the farmer sleeps, gets up, or whatever he does. And to this day, God's kingdom continues to break into the world, continues to transform lives and people and communities and places, extending the grace of God to the extent to the end of the earth. And the church perseveres steadily yet stumblingly. After all, it's made up of sinners like you, like me. And all throughout history, you see leaves and branches and fruit emerging, just little glimpses of what that tree one day will be, and one day the king will return, and the harvest will come, hallelujah. And all that began with earthly vulnerability, just like Jesus himself, will be clothed with heavenly glory. That tiny seed will extend into eternity. Here's hope for a weary people in a weary church in a broken, pandemic-stricken world. My friends, one day at last, someday, the seed will become a tree. That's the pattern of the kingdom of God. And it continues to be the pattern of how God brings about change and growth and transformation in our lives today and in our world 
today and so in the time we have remaining i want to just show you four different ways that this is still the pattern for god's work in this world four lessons that we can draw out from this chapter we really need this right think about different ways in which you might be frustrated or maybe disappointed even jaded about the pace or process of change in your life in a broken relationship in a community your neighborhood the city our country this world what do we expect what does Jesus teach us to expect about what progress and change should look like? What does Jesus tell us? Let me give you four lessons. Four lessons from this passage. Number one, kingdom growth and change starts smaller than we think. Kingdom growth and change starts smaller than we think. We tend to expect and believe that everything that's worth seeing and rooting to rooting for to grow and to change, whether if it's our own sanctification or if it's in the growth of our city in the direction of righteousness or if it's in a broken relationship that you might, we always assume I, I must be able to see it. If it's happening, it's visible to my human eyes. I can measure it. It should be obvious. And yet, Jesus says, when his kingdom, when his power and presence breaks in, sometimes God shows up in obvious and impressive ways, but most of the time, he works through the ordinary, the unimpressive, the invisible. We need to train our hearts to expect that the way in which the kingdom works, that the way in which change rolls out before us, it's typically smaller and more unimpressive than we typically expect. And so we miss it. It's typically more fragile, like a little seed, easily eaten and trampled on. It, it looks foolish. It, it's not what we would demand or expect of God. And that means we need to learn how to expect God's work in this world to be seen mainly by faith and not by sight, not by human eyes. Do you understand, friends, most of what God is doing in this world today is invisible to human eyes. Most of what God is doing, you cannot see. Sinclair Ferguson, theologian and author, comments on these parables and he says this, we do not always see or understand the ways of Christ, but we can have confidence that he is sowing his powerful seed and that it will bear its own fruit. His word will not return empty. There will be a harvest. And so we need to learn not to judge what God is doing, and whether or not he's actually doing his work of kingdom change by human appearances and by what human eyes can see. Remember these, these rich and helpful words of faith by William Cooper, who in 1777 wrote this poem, even as he was struggling really his whole life with severe depression. He wrote this, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, 
he hides a smiling face. Dear friends, as the kingdom advances and moves forward in your life, in a relationship, in our world, winning will often look like losing. Does not the cross teach us that? And yet God is on the move. Kingdom growth and change often starts smaller than we think. Number two, the second lesson, kingdom growth and change is often slower than we think. Earlier this summer, our kids and I, we, and, and, and my wife Paula, together we as a family, we planted this tomato plant on our back deck. And slowly the tomatoes began to bud and then slowly these green little fruit would appear and, and each day the kids would go outside to, to see, are, are they turning red yet? And, and slowly the green was turning a little brownish and slowly a little orangish. And, and, and each day we would go out there expecting, even demanding that the fruit would be ripe already. Why isn't this garden moving along more quickly? Uh, isn't it ready to be eaten yet? That's just our nature, isn't it? How much more is our nature to become impatient with the pace with which God works out his change and transformation. That might be with an area of sin or weakness in my life. How come I'm still struggling with this? Or maybe the brokenness that we see in our community or in our family or in our world. Why isn't God getting with the program already? Jesus is teaching us, that just like a seed grows and a little mustard seed takes time to grow into that large tree. God is at work, and yet according to our human senses, it often feels like slower work, at least slower than we wish it were. There's usually limited initial visible results as God's kingdom grows, but we need to learn that most of life is not microwavable. And in fact, no lasting change is. It takes time. And here's the reality. We all tend to overestimate what God will do in the short term. And then we tend to underestimate what God will do and can do in the long term. Let me say that again. We tend to overestimate what God will do in the short term. Hurry up already. And then we underestimate what God can do in the long term. God teaches us a, a, a kingdom kind of perseverance and patience. God truly is bringing heaven down to earth. And one day, as we'll see in a moment, he will finish that work. But initially, it will often feel slower than we think. Some of you have been waiting a long time as you struggle with chronic illness, as you and your communities struggle with injustice, in fact, now for centuries on end. Some of you have been struggling earnestly with overcoming sin and temptation in your life for a long time. And on some days, it just feels too long to bear. But what if we could adjust our expectations to know that Jesus is telling us, look, change and growth is often slower than we think, but it is happening. God is at work. Dear friends, will you let your hearts be encouraged to know 
that the seed is growing and one day it's going to be a tree. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Third lesson, kingdom growth and change goes deeper than we think. It goes deeper than we think. Remember, Jesus taught in that first parable that change starts as the word, the message of the kingdom implants itself into our hearts. In other words, surface external modes of change aren't going to be enough. Just modifying our behavior or forcing people to compliance, even with righteousness, is not going to go deep enough. A work needs to begin into the heart. This is why change, Jesus is telling us, is reminding us, cannot be something that's coerced. You, you cannot force someone or especially shame someone into becoming more conformed into the likeness of Christ. You cannot force a community simply from the outside in to become more righteous if we want it to be lasting change. True kingdom transformation is always from the inside out. It starts deep within the heart, and that is why also it needs to be the work of God. Right, that second parable? The seed grows, it seems, almost on its own, pointing us to the power of God that's needed for this kind of work of transformation, not mere human effort alone. And I want to tell you, for some of us, that needs to give us relief. Relief from feeling responsible always for making transformation happen. Whether change in the church, we need to make the church grow or get healthy, or in our own lives or in our relationships, I need to be the change agent here in fixing this broken relationship or in our nation. It all falls on my back. We need to remember lasting change. The growth of the kingdom of God breaking into our world is powered by God. And because we don't remember that, some of us are exhausted or anxious, believing that the power and process of change rests entirely on you. If you believe what Jesus is teaching us about his kingdom, that it goes deep, deeper than we think, and actually that it's powered by God and not us, we can rest. We can, yes, labor faithfully, but we can rest knowing that we can stop. God is on the move and that we're not indispensable to the work of his kingdom. Jesus is teaching us how to surrender. Jesus is teaching us how to trust. Jesus is teaching us how to renounce control over the process of change. Dear friends, are you learning that lesson? And finally and fourthly, we learn that kingdom growth and change is more certain than we think. It's smaller than we think. It's slower than we think. It goes deeper than we think, but it's also more certain than we think. Jesus reminds us one day the seed will become a tree. The seed will become a tree. One day Christ's work will be perfected. It's gonna happen. Some of us need to hear that, be reminded of that. God is working and God is going to complete that work. He will surely do it. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We, we don't know exactly what God is doing. He takes us through seasons of not being able to see his work of transformation. 
Sometimes it feels like we're going three steps forward, two steps back, or even four steps back. But Jesus reminds us with this encouraging word, the seed, no matter how frail, no matter how invisible it may begin to be, will one day become a tree. Guaranteed, it's gonna happen, Jesus says, larger than all the garden plants. Dr. King, of course, said those famous words that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. That doesn't mean that justice is just simply inevitable. We are called to labor, to fight. This is not an invitation to passivity, but it is an invitation to hope. Uh, to, to know not only that Jesus has written the final chapter of the story already, and it's the story of victory, but also that we can know that even as we labor with love, the eternal impact of our little labors, we just don't know how God might be using them. We just don't know what he might actually be doing with our little acts of faithfulness with our modest labors of love, with our almost invisible, no one else can see them but you and your heavenly Father, that those acts of righteousness, faith, and obedience actually can echo into eternity. Jesus is is teaching us how to walk and labor with hope, to believe that God is in fact at work in our lives, in our nation, in our world. That Jesus really did mean it when he said he's seated on his throne in Revelation 21 and he declares, I am making all things new. That Jesus really does mean for us to pray fervently and with confidence, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he really does help us to believe these words from one commentator, despite appearances to the contrary. It is growing God's kingdom, and the harvest will come. But it will come in God's time and in God's way, not by human effort or in accordance with human logic. And so, the final word here is, do you believe? Do you trust in Christ's word about the nature of his kingdom? Can you receive with surrender all that he promises to be for us, the king and his kingdom? And can we adjust our lenses and our expectations to believe that the kingdom comes and is coming, but kingdom growth and change, it starts smaller than we think. It's slower than we think. It goes and starts deeper than we think, but it's also more certain than we think. It's guaranteed. So rise up, friends, and gird your hearts with hope. Let's pray. Jesus, we believe your word and we thank you. We receive your word. We uh, who are exhausted, tired, anxious uh, people, we need this relief and we need this strength and encouragement. Open our eyes to see with faith all that you're doing. Strengthen your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.